Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Mailbag. My name is Damo and Clarky is also here. G'day community. This week our guest is MJ from the Coaches Panel. Thanks for coming back on the Mailbag. Uh, look, it's been a hot minute since I spoke to you boys. I think it was pre-season, a couple of weeks out. So hopefully you both and everybody listening has been having a good season so far. A lot of challenges uh, across the year, but let's be honest, that's part of the thing we love about it too. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Clarky, MJ, the buy rounds are over. It feels like this past month was the make or break period for a lot of teams. Um, how did you guys fare? I... I came out of it with a completed team. I had to cop a rough score last week um, because I did hold Clayton Oliver and I am trying to be conservative with what little trades I have left. Um, so I held through and just um, have decided to just stick fat with that and cop the bad score and then make my way back up. So I'm sitting just outside the top 10K, um, which is usually a good result for me because I'm better at giving advice than following my own. Um, <laughs> so I'm hoping that I'm, I'm still like, I'm very happy with my team as is to go through and finish out the season. So at this point, it's all going to come down to captain selections. And you spoke about the poor score last week. And I feel like it was one of the weeks where someone was going to have to cop a bad score in one of the rounds. MJ, did you have one of those weeks or did you seem to plan pretty well? Well, it, that's an interesting one. Did I have one of those weeks? I feel like I've had one of those seasons. Uh, we were talking just before the episode where there's been weeks where you're like, did you trade into Clayton Oliver the week he got injured? No, I didn't have one of those, but did I trade into two? Miller the week he got injured. You bet I did. Like I've had certainly one of those fun seasons, but yeah, no, relatively um, pain-free, much like Clarkie um, coming out of the buys with, with a side that I would say I'm relatively happy that uh, I would run with across the year. Clayton Oliver Holder, I'm going to be maintaining that. Happy to talk about that if you'd like. But yeah, no no real disastrous scores for me last week. I think the, the closest was Bailey Humphreys, 34, but again, was lucky enough to be able to have him fade out of my 18 on field. So um, the good news is he will be departing quite quickly from my team in the next 48 hours. Very good. All right. There's lots of questions to get to, so we should jump straight in. And this first one comes from Seppo on Twitter. He wants to know, is six trades left too little to be worrying about upgrading Sheasel at D6, Warple at M8, and Fife at F6? It's a good question. I, I think the key thing I always... Um, answer to people is what's your focus because at the end of the day we all play super coach for different reasons some it's about rankings others is about leagues and some starts with one and ends the season with the other based on how the season is, is tracking for them uh, so for me I would always ask that question before telling anyone a specific solution is what's your focus because if it's rankings well okay now patience comes into it if it's about league, it's now about well, where are you positioned in your league? What are you doing? Are you needing to be get aggressive to neutralize or to attack in certain things? From a Sheasel perspective, I don't like the next two weeks of the fixture. But after that, for North Melbourne, it really opens up to be quite nice, even if he plays as a centre-forward sort of player, which we have seen Brett Ratton choose to use him. I don't mind that. Nat Fife, I wouldn't be thrilled of having him on my side by season's end by choice. 
if you've got Fife on field and you say you have a completed team, I say you don't have a completed team. If you have Fife at F7, M9, Swingman, then I'll, I'll hear the argument that, that you've got a completed team. But And that's more about Fife current performance, not Fife the legacy performer. So for me, those are the kind of the elements that I would factor in. Because is six trades enough? Well, there are some overall rankings coaches that have one or two left. And they're holding on to their bench depth and hygiene and a little bit of luck. And that might be good if they've got good bench depth and coverage. Equally, I know teams that have 10 trades left and they are not even going to get close to a, a team that I would say is completed because they're holding on to guys and going, I think that's a completed play. But I would say, well, you need luck and some variables to go your way to make that a completed play. So so those are some of the elements I always would put in there. Um, is Fife completed to me? He's not. Is Sheasel completed? I'd argue I, I'd be comfortable to say he is. And, and that's because of fixture and the dual position versatility he gives you. Yeah, Warple out of those three would be my, yeah, the, the old the old heave-ho. Give him the Frio treatment. Absolutely. Um, and find yourself a mid that's going to gonna either generate you some cash so that you can wisely use those last, say you use one for Warple, five trades left on the board, which means that you can use those when the opportune moment hits. Um, say, like, you know, a Jasper Fletcher on the bubble this week, if he is named, um, which the Brisbane teams actually have been named. Yeah, he's been named. Thursday game. There you go. So he's a prime option, I think, this week to sort of ca- at least cash out of Warple, make a little bit of money, and you can assess your position from there. I mean, I I am generally of the opinion that you, de- you never don't have enough trades to do something that can improve your team. So I would say six trades to focus on, let's say, two, one one of those definite upgrades, and those other two, either Sheasel at D6, I think, is acceptable, as MJ said, and Fife as forward depth is perfectly acceptable as well. So, you know, the, the main focus, I think, would be to get rid of Warple and to bring in either someone that you're confident in that's cheap or to cash out and hold your position to upgrade somebody else. Damo, fair, fair thoughts? I've got nothing to add. You've both pretty much covered it there. Um, yeah, I don't think I don't think Sheasel is a high priority. I think if if you're left with him on your field, it's not a complete disaster considering how he has been scoring, especially if he is your last on-field position, either in the defense or your forward line. Hmm. Warple and Fife, though, on the other hand, they're probably not a player that you would like in your completed team if you can get away with somehow moving them on and then bringing in a better scoring um, player. She's all potentially getting some mid minutes, I believe as well. Um, one of the last comments that he made um, before his buy, which could be good, could be bad for him overall, but it does also give him another scoring option if they're going to continue playing both Hall and Zebel in the halfback. Yeah. And positively for Harry Sheasel after his most recent game, he actually spoke to the media and said that Brett Ratton had experimented with his position, but they've decided that off half backs with some stints in the midfield is probably going to be his best position at this stage, which is good for his scoring, if nothing else. Yep. The next question comes to us via email from Harley. He says he has a mostly completed team 
but he also has Jack Steele, Jack Zebel, and Harry Sheasel. So we've already discussed Harry Sheasel. He's got 84K in the bank and four trades left. He is considering upgrading Matt Johnson to Callum Mills and looping Steele and Mills at M8, M9. Do you think this is a good idea? I'm a big fan of creating a deep bench and Mills this time next week will be 400,000. I think he's about 430k at the moment. Um, and I wouldn't be opposed to universally encouraging people to get him as early as this week. Because at the end of the day, the price only matters when you're trading into or out of a player. And you remove the two best affected games of Mills and he's still in Supercoach Gun, I think like 97, 98 across the year with some positional volatility that I don't have as much concern about coming with the Swans making a deep finals push and some key tolls returning with Rampy now back. It sounds like McCartan could be back of the Tom variety as early as this week. So for me, I'm really quite comfortable with creating a deep bench and, and Johnson being turned into Mills. I think that's awesome, especially with such limited trades. It does mean that when you get a premium midfielder suspension or injury in that line, barring a season-ending one, you have to keep the faith and probably hold that guy because you're trading into another premium to really have nine, which I think is a great move through your midfield. It gives you fix your matchups. You've lots to play. I'm really quite okay with it, but it means you've got to be disciplined if you get a one- or two-week suspension or injury with these other top-end premiums. I know others would rather bulk out some other lines, and I wouldn't be opposed to that too, but Mills is, is a guy that's gone 110 the two seasons prior to this one and is at such a price point that it feels like we're missing a trick and being overly cute uh, if there's a pathway to do it, which for you it does sound like there is. So for me, I, I'm quite comfortable as early as this week, but next week is certainly financially the premium time to do it. And I think Jack Steele and Callum Mills are the perfect looping options if you're going to have two premium options on in that final on-field position and you're looping them because Jack Steele had limited game time against Brisbane but still managed to almost turn up or maybe he did turn up. I can't remember what he actually scored, but yeah. Callum Mills ha has the ability to go 150 plus and so does Jack Steele on his day. So if you get the best score out of both of them, then you're going to be, what, 30, 40 points some weeks better than than, than someone else who isn't looping them. So um, it helps your team and gives you a strong midfield for the run home. No notes from me. <laughs> <laughs> Next question comes from Josh on Twitter. He wants to know, is Patrick Cripps worth the punt? as an M8 to help finish your side. That sounds like some dire straits, buddy. I'm going to have oh. to be, I'm going to have to be very honest about that. That is some dire straits. Let's have a look here. Uh, Patrick Cripps is 457. If you have that much to spend, why are you not buying Mills? Mm. Um, I know Patrick Cripps has the upside and the role in the Carlton midfield, but who knows what Carlton are doing? Um, his, out of his last... What's that? You know, six or seven games, one score over a hundred. Yep. It's 
it's just not comparable. Like it's, you know, I, I wouldn't be buying into something that is definitely a, a a punt at best. Yeah, there's been one ton, which was against the Suns pre-buy. You got to go back seven more weeks for the last one. And again, normally these are the type of guys I'm quite okay to trade into if you see the fixture pathway, which I think Carlton do have at times. It's not immediately, but it's there. If you see something in the dynamic of the team to give you that confidence, yeah, sure, sure, sure. But I, I think you're right, Clarky. We, we've got a Callum Mills there um, staring us in the face who's an equal, if not better, scoring option at a cheaper price. And, and, and this Sydney fixture, while the gravy matchup was last week, is still relatively friendly in patches over these next couple of weeks. So I agree. I'd rather Mills over Crips. That said, if you already have Mills, maybe there were some people in the Supercoach yeah. community that jumped on Mills last week because it was the best they could get and trying to maximise their best 18. I don't hate it. But if I was being honest with you, I'd rather Luke Davies Uniac. I'd rather a guy coming back. I know there's just as much injury risk, but if you look at what he was doing before his injury um, at the start of this year, he was dominating. He went 143, 155, and 102 in Supercoach, and he was huge for us at the back end of last year. And we talk about fixtures and how important they are. If you deep dive into what North Melbourne's last couple of weeks look like, there's a patch of games. Now, this might not be the week to do it. That's the only thing I'll say. But if you deep dive into what North Melbourne's fixture looks like, there's a three or four week period that gets pretty good. And I'm specifically alluding to a matchup against Hawthorne that comes in round 18. Then they have in round 19 St Kilda. Then they have West Coast. Then they have Melbourne in round 21. From an inside mid perspective, that's almost as good as it gets in Supercoach. And so, yep, there's a little bit of pain that you've got to get through to get there. But if you're happy to take a hundred, I know how disappointing, a hundred over the next two weeks <laughs> for a guy that could give you a four-week stretch of 130s and be unique, whew, I'd probably rather have a bit of LDU. And Except after, for the fun option. Sorry, Damon. <laughs> and after recording um, the main pod last night with um, Dog, who's a Carlton fan, he wants to see Patrick Cripps do it for at least one more week before he can recommend him. He wants to make sure that form has actually returned and he's back in his usual role. And they dominated the Suns, so he doesn't know if that, w- if that score comes from just pure domination or if it was him actually you know, playing well. Um, he wants yeah, to that was an embarrassing performance by the Suns. An uncharacteristically mm. bad performance from the Suns. Um, so I agree with you there, Damo. Agreeing with Lech. I, I will just say after this, all this discussion about Mills, I have live on the podcast uh, used two of my so few left trades to bring in Mills as cover for Clayton Oliver, who you should all be holding, listeners. Yes. Hold him. He's going to... He's Clayton Oliver. If he broke all the fingers on both of his hands, he would still score 110. Yes. Breaking news, Clark, he doesn't listen to the main pod. <laughs> I have been very busy this week, Damo. I have because, a job. Because Lek Dog and I landed on that 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 Clary's a trade. Wow. Boo. Talk yeah. me through that. Like, I know people might have already listened to the main trade. Give me the 30-second summary, because I'm very much with Clarky that 
I, I find it hard to hear, but I'm always open-minded to how people get to where they get. It's not so much a... It's, it's more that we don't trust Melbourne's injury timeline more than anything else because they gave him... Because they said that he'd be back and then he got the infection and then they said that he was going to be okay for this week and now he's one to two weeks away. Yeah. What happens if that turns into two to three weeks or, or two to four weeks? What happens if that balloons out this week because the hamstring hasn't quite loosened up or whatever it needs to do this week to be at, for him to start progressing through to main training and into and into selection? We think if you move him on now, especially for those who are needing that points injection on their field, you you can't hold him if. If you if your team has that cover and it's and it's a viable cover, then you probably can hold. But most people want those points on field, and holding someone who's six hundred and fifty eight k, especially if you can bundle him with someone like a Bailey Humphrey to get two five hundred and fifty k six hundred k guys on your field, then it's then it's probably what you should be doing. Yeah, it's interesting. I I, I love this turn of phrase that. Mini Monk on our coaches panel, and I know he's been a part of you guys doing some stuff this week, um, this year, has been so big at t- championing the phrase team dependent, um, and, and, and which is so, so true when it comes to it. I, and I think you're right, mate. That there, is, there is a world that for some teams, where they're positioned, what their appetite for risk is, their level of frustration that has been there for, from an, a Melbourne perspective, they go, you know what? Stuff it. I'm jumping off him. And you know what? We play this game for fun. And so if seeing that guy sitting on your bench is killing your enjoyment of playing Supercoach, trade him out. But equally on the other foot, I look at Clayton Ollum and go, you've already absorbed the pain. You've already had the two games where you probably banked to have him the most in round 15 and probably also round 13 were the games that you experienced the pain the most. They were also the two rounds... Where it was best 18. So you should have been able to absorb that pain the most, uh, given that you only had to field 18. And then I look at a guy that I don't just think about a one to two week window of time with a limited trade scenario. I look at a nine week window, not just an eight week window. Because to get a Humphrey and an Oliver, to just picking two names, uh, to a Bontempelli and an LDU. So you're going a clear top liner and a guy that could be a clear top liner. You need those two for nine weeks to outperform your Oliver for eight weeks and your Mills for eight weeks or for nine weeks combination. That's how you've got to choose to see it along the way. And that's the beauty of Supercoach. Um, There's no right and wrong way. There's different ways. And everyone has different levels of appetite and risk. For me, I go, man, I've held Oliver this long. I now know that everyone that doesn't hold Clayton, he will come back, whether it's one or two weeks, he'll come back. You ca- you cannot tell me over the next two months there's not everyone in the community that's going after one player to be in their side for the final six weeks from a fixture and a ceiling, and it's Clary. Oliver owners, you already have him. And the good news is you've got value to chase around him whether it be a Mills, whether it be an LDU, whether it be a Himmelberg down back, whether it be a Keys down forward, a Cameron. Like I, I could give you 10 other names that are value. They're there to build around. You can approach it that way. Or as you just said, which, which I don't disagree with, 
Nah, stuff it. I'm done. It's killing my enjoyment. I'm off. That's all right. Different ways to play super coach. I think both work. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you on that, MJ. Um, it's it's definitely down to individually what do you what do you want to do and how you want to approach it. And there's really no wrong answers because mm. you end up improving your team in one way or another. Um, my view on it being, and this might be the red and blue colored glasses, um, but I don't think Melbourne have been intentionally deceitful about his recovery timeline. The infection and hospitalization of Clayton Oliver, I think it's not unreasonable that the time frame has been adjusted to allow his recovery to be full, um, which suggests to me as well with a lack of history of Melbourne being deceitful with their injury lists. So they're not Geelong with their injury list. I don't think it's unreasonable if I have to hold him for another week or two. I'm willing to absorb that, especially when I can bring in security around that and go, well, look, I can still have Mills and that's got a hundred point upside, you know, like that's, that's still, it's better than the zero. And I've still got, you know, one of the players who next year, regardless of what happens, will mostly be starting as a number one picked midfielder because it's Clayton Oliver. So that's my position on it. Uh, and I'm sorry, I didn't listen to the main pod demo. It's okay. <laughs> it did It did come out late last night and I know you've been busy today. So that's okay. I had a big boy day. <laughs> Next question comes from Harry Webb on Twitter. He wants to know, would you prefer to have Himmelberg at D6 or Bailey Humphrey at M8? Not sure what's worse, but he doesn't have enough trades to fix both. Himmelberg at D6, easy answer. Bailey Humphrey lost his mid time to, I believe, Flanders. Um, and when I looked at the little hotspot and see him sitting in that forward 50, that means that he's probably going to be capped out at maybe 50 points unless he kicks eight goals. And the other thing is, Took Miller could be a surprise selection this week for the Suns. Um, but more likely he doesn't return for another week or two, but apparently he has been reintegrated into main training at the Suns and it could be a surprise selection this week if they feel he is fit enough. So that would just take away even more midfield time from Bailey Humphrey. So I think he's run his course, done his job as a rookie and done it quite well, but now is the time to send him off and bring in someone else. Which is a shame for Humphrey because I did quite like him as a mid and he's very exciting. And if I was any other club, I'd probably be throwing a little bit of money at him to try and get him over some depth or get him some opportunity somewhere else. That's just, sorry, foot football. (laughs) General football. Very talented. (laughs) And almost done. Who are our vice captains and captains this week, boys? It's a tough one. It's a tough. It's a tough week because I've not. I've really. I went from choosing the bad option out of my two options to picking an option that turned out to be good, but my other option did significantly better. Uh, last week that was I took a, a Dunkley, a Dunkley VC at one twenty two. I had the C on Jordan Dawson right up until probably a little bit before that, and then went Nah, you got to take one twenty two. And there we go, 149. So I've had a couple of weeks of that going on, which has been disappointing. <laughs> but I'd probably go Dunkley again this week. 
Like he's he's red, red, red hot. Yep. Dunkley and delayed for me. I've gone Dunkley on the fr- on the um, Friday night, but I have thought about Tim Taranto. Um, and I'm going to, into Nick Dacos against the Suns. Thursday night. They're playing Thursday night, Damo. Same thing. <laughs> They're playing a night game. Um, and then I've gone to Nick Dacos as my captain against uh, the Suns at Heritage Bank Stadium. That's juicy. I like that. Which, by the way, it will never be Heritage Bank Stadium for me. It's always Metricon Stadium. Always Metricon. <laughs> Boo, Metricon, boo. <laughs> um, yeah, Le- uh, I've currently got it set up as Dunkley into Laird, but there's a lot of good options. Uh, Bontempelli, Liberatore, even Caleb Daniel uh, against Frio, I think will be really interesting. Um, you've got, as I said, Nick Dacos. You've got Zach Merritt possibly against Port Adelaide, just because I think Zach Merritt is... He's he's in his element. He's in his he's in his reputation era. Just really building and just solid solid scores every week. Hmm. Bit bit of a smoky captain pick. I don't mind Rowan Marshall against Bailey Williams in Perth on Sunday afternoon. Yep. Good shout. So he is another one to consider. <laughs> this is this is like what what's smokier than smoke? Like it's it's the the fuel the fuel elements of fire that haven't been combined yet, but Kieran Briggs against Grandi. Cool. I have, I have this strange feeling that Briggs's strength is going to really shine against Gorn and Grundy. Um, the only downside being, I don't really know how GWS play in the Northern territory. So that could be a thing. I think it's going to be very hot and very wet up there so uh cozy Pickett, if you have him five goals loves the northern territory loves it loves the territory um adam chera if you're an owner as well mm. just another one G- great form playing hawthorne and i don't think he's a first tag target for hawthorne All right, so there's some vice-captaincy and captaincy options for you there, community. That's all the questions for today. Thanks for joining us, MJ. Oh, look, an absolute pleasure. We, we love what you guys are doing for the uh, Supercoach community, not just for this year but over previous years. So, no, pleasure to be on, and uh, hopefully for you both and all of your listeners, it's a nice couple of months before we get to the off-season, and then we start it all up again. <laughs> Make sure you go and check out all the coaches panel has to offer. They cover Supercoach, Dream Team, and Fantasy. And Clarky, thank you again for being here. It's always a pleasure. It's oh, I'm sorry, I just remembered. I just want to say about last week. I don't think I've ever had the quickest turnaround between. I was so upset after Thursday and we lost to Geelong. I hate GMHBA. I was really sad because Jeremy Cameron didn't deserve like didn't deserve to go down like that. Like I'm glad he's okay. Just like a really bad night, and then I remember that it's not so bad when Sydney played West Coast, and it's probably the quickest turnaround I've had to perspective where I'm like, it's not all bad. So fingers crossed. I hope your teams win this week, or in Patch's case, get a draw. It's never as good as it seems. It's never as bad as it seems. That's it. You could always be West Coast listeners. 
If you have a question you'd like answered on the next episode, all you have to do is tag your question with Jock Mailbag on social media or send an email to jockmailbag at gmail.com and we'll talk next time.